When I was 19 years old, I met a holy Franciscan monk and confided to him my difficulties in prayer. He answered me at once. It is, madame, because you seek outside what you have within. Accustom yourself to seek God in your heart and you will find him there. On finishing these words, he left me. The next morning he was very greatly astonished when I went to see him and when I told him the effect his words had produced in my soul. For it is true, they were for me like an arrow that pierced my heart through and through. O oh my Lord, you were in my heart, and you asked from me only a simple turning inward to make me feel your presence. O oh, infinite goodness, you were so near, and I went running here and there to look for you, and I did not find you. My life was miserable, and my happiness was within me. I was in poverty in the midst of riches, and I was dying of hunger near a table spread and a continual feast. O oh, beauty so ancient and new, why have I known you so late? Alas, I was seeking you where you were not, and I did not seek you where you were. It was for want of understanding those words of your gospel when you say, The kingdom of God is not here or there. But the kingdom of God is within you. I told this worthy Franciscan father, that I did not know what he had done to me. That my heart was quite changed. That God was there. And I had no longer any trouble to find him. For from that moment, I was given an experience of his presence in my central depth. not through thought or application of the mind, but as a thing one possesses really in a very sweet manner. I experienced in my soul an unction 
which, like a soothing balm, healed all my wounds, and which even spread itself so powerfully over my senses that I could hardly open my mouth or my eyes. I did not sleep at all the whole of that night, because your love, O oh my God, was not only for me like a delightful oil, but also like a devouring fire, which kindled in my soul such a flame that it seemed bound to devour everything in an instant. I was all of a sudden so changed that I was no longer recognisable, either by myself or by others. I no longer found either those faults or those dislikes. All appeared to me consumed like straw in a great fire. Nothing was now more easy for me than to pray. Hours were to me no more than moments, and I was unable not to do it. Love left me not a moment of respite. My prayer was, from the moment of which I have spoken, void of all forms, species, and images. Nothing of my prayer passed into my head. But it was a prayer of enjoyment and possession in the will. Where the delight of God was so great, so pure and so simple that it attracted and absorbed the other two powers of the soul, reason and memory, in profound concentration, without act, or speech. I had, however, sometimes freedom to say some words of love to my beloved. But then everything was taken from me. It was a prayer of faith, which excluded all distinction for I had not any view of Jesus Christ or the divine attributes. Everything was absorbed in a delicious faith where all distinctions were lost to give love room for loving with more expansion, without motives or reasons for loving.
true ravishment and perfect ecstasy are operated by total annihilation, where the soul, losing all selfhood, passes into God without effort and without violence as into the place which is proper and natural to her. For God is the centre of the soul. And when once the soul is disengaged from the selfhood which arrested her in herself or in other creatures, she infallibly passes into God, where she dwells hidden with Jesus Christ. But this ecstasy is operated only by simple faith. Death to all things created, even to the gifts of God, which, being creatures, hinder the soul from falling into the one uncreated. It is of great importance to make her pass beyond all his gifts, however sublime they may appear. Because as long as a soul dwells in them, she does not veritably renounce herself, and so never passes into God himself. Although she may be in those gifts, in a very sublime manner. But resting thus in the gifts, she loses the real enjoyment of the giver, which is an inestimable loss. Through an inconceivable goodness, O oh my God, you introduced me into a state very pure, very firm, and very solid. You took possession of my will, and you there established your throne. And in order that I should not let myself aim at those gifts and withdraw myself from your love, you put me at once into a union of the powers. And in a continual adherence to you, I was unable to do anything else but to love you with a love as profound as it was tranquil. This love was so continual and always occupied me and so powerful I could not think of anything else. To hear your name mentioned, or your love, 
was enough to throw me into profound prayer. I gave up all society. I renounced forever games and amusement, the dance and all useless promenades. My only diversion was to snatch moments to be alone with you, oh, my only love. After a time, my soul was placed in an immense freedom. I recognised the difference between the graces which had preceded that state and those which have succeeded it. Previously, everything was collected and concentrated within, and I possess God in my centre and in the inmost of my soul. But afterwards, I was possessed of him in a manner so vast, so pure, and so immense that nothing can equal it. Formerly, God was, as it were, enclosed in me, and I was united to him in my centre. But afterwards, I was submerged in the sea itself. Before, the thoughts and views were lost, but in a way perceived, though very slightly. The soul let them go sometimes, which is yet an act. But afterwards they had, as it were, entirely disappeared in a manner so bare, so pure, so lost, that the soul had no action of her own, however simple and delicate. In a manner so bare, so pure, so lost, that the soul had no action of her own, however simple and delicate, which could rise into consciousness. The powers and the senses are purified in a wonderful manner. The mind is of a surprising limpidity. I was sometimes astonished that not a thought appeared in it. That imagination, once so troublesome, gives no longer any trouble whatsoever. 
there is no longer embarrassment, nor disturbance, nor occupation of the memory. Everything is naked and limpid, and God makes the soul know and think whatever he pleases without irrelevant species any longer inconveniencing the mind. This is of very great purity. It is the same in the case of the will, which being totally dead to all its spiritual appetites, has no longer any taste, leaning, or tendency. It remains empty of all human inclination, natural or spiritual. It is this which enables God to bend it where he pleases and how he pleases. This vastness, which is not bounded by anything whatever, however simple, increases day by day, so that it seems that this soul, in sharing the qualities of her spouse, shares especially his immensity. Formerly one was, as it were, drawn and shut up within. Afterwards I experienced that a hand, far more powerful than the first, drew me out of myself and plunged me without view or knowledge in God in a way which ravished me. My soul was an entire self-surrender and very great contentment in the midst of violent tempests. She could do nothing but continue in her former indifference, desiring nothing, even of God, whether grace or disgrace, sweetness or cross. A soul in this state has no sweetness nor spiritual relish. She remains such as she is in her nothingness to herself and in the all as to God, without reference to or reflection on herself.
She knows not if she has virtues, gifts and graces in him, who is the author of all that. She does not think of it and can will nothing. And everything that concerns her is, as it were, foreign. She has not even the desire of procuring the glory of God, leaving to God the care of procuring it for himself. And she is in regard to it as pleases him. In this state, God sometimes sets her to pray for some soul. But this is done without choice or premeditation. In peace, without desire for success. What does his soul do then, one will ask? She lets herself be led by providences and by creatures without resistance. Her outside life is quite common. And as for within, she sees nothing there. She has no assurance either internal or external. And yet, she never was more assured. The more hopeless everything, the more is her central depth tranquil, in spite of the ravage of the senses and of creatures. At the commencement of the way of faith, the soul profits from her defects, being by them humiliated through reflection, simple, peaceful, tranquil, loving the abjectness which she reaps from them. At last, there is no longer a question of this. At last, the soul remains motionless and unshaken, bearing without movement the trouble her fault causes her, without any action whatsoever. It is what God requires from the soul, from the time she is completely passive. For this reason, she knows not what to choose, 
neither state nor condition, however perfect they may be. She is content with everything she has. She keeps herself at peace wherever she is placed, high or low. in one country or in another. All that she has is all that is needed for her to be fully content. But what is it which makes this soul so perfectly content? She knows not. She is content without knowing the subject of her contentment and without wishing to know it. But content in a way that is vast, immense and independent of external events. Let your soul have within it a continual yes. When the heart is in union with God, there is no nay. It is yes. Be it so. Which reverberates through the soul. Leave yourself in the hands of love. Love is always the same inwardly, although it causes you often to outwardly change your position or circumstances. One who prefers one state to another, who loves abundance more than scarcity, when God orders otherwise, loves the gifts of God more than God himself. God loves you. Let this thought equalize all states. Let him do with us as with the waves of the sea. And whether he takes us to his bosom or casts us upon the sand, that is, leaves us to our own barrenness, all is well.
for myself. I am pleased with all the Lord orders for me. I hold myself ready to suffer. Not only imprisonment, but death. All is good in him to whom I am united forever. <laughs>